Hello, and welcome to another fabulous episode of Unstoppable Rise, a resource that helps motivated individuals press on towards the mark of self-actualization using a combination of old-school wisdom and new tactics to help achieve this end. My name's Sim, and I'm going to be your host. This episode, we're going to be talking about a concept I call Launchpad Capital. So after the last episode on productivity, I talked about what it looks like in different areas. And after that episode, you may have wondered, well, what do I need to do to achieve high levels of success in these areas or just even a good baseline of competency in those areas? So I'll introduce another angle from my point of view, and that angle is what I call launchpad capital. I think of this concept of launchpad capital as something which you build towards and structure your life upon among the other modalities that I've talked about in past episodes. And here's a good model that you can probably relate to, especially if you run a business. A business needs capital and some type of monetary supply in order to achieve the goals of revenue and profitability. Those are the end purposes of a business. So the goals of this revenue and profitability will ultimately determine how much capital it's going to need. And depending on the type of product the business wants to build, the business will need sufficient capital and sufficient capital, especially in the early days when it comes to sustaining itself, paying employees and payroll, marketing, sales, getting adequate sales staff and training and customer service and all those sorts of things, depending on the scale of the build the company wants to do, right? So usually a business wants to launch a product or service of some kind. They'll help it gain both this revenue and profit. And usually this product is singular in nature and it revolves around something that has low to moderate startup costs and usually a decent margin of profitability. So in order to launch that initial product, the company will need some type of funding and infrastructure to support that product launch. Like I talked about the sales team, the customer service team, marketing, and the bigger the product is going to be, the more that solid that infrastructure has to be. And if any of these are insufficient, then the product launch will be a failure and it may even threaten the integrity and life cycle of the business. So If the product launch is successful, however, then the business is able to release future products, which means more attention, more revenue, allowing it to do bigger and more grand things. So think of yourself, your life as a business, you Inc. And in order for you Inc. to do things, you're going to need a basic amount of startup and launchpad capital. And I sort of hinted on this in the episode on productivity. But this will expand on it a bit more. Your base, your launch pad, needs to be solid for you to do certain things. And the bigger the things are, the more solid and more expansive this launch pad has to be. I see all these guys trying to achieve certain things with their lives, but they don't have the underlying infrastructure to launch to support these endeavors. Definitely aim as high as possible, but make sure you have the infrastructure backing to do it. So I see this launchpad capital concept as something that comprises multiple areas, 
that interconnect and create the infrastructure of your life. And this is how I look at them as. I see them as being financial capital, social capital, productive capital, knowledge capital, physical capital, emotional capital, and spiritual capital. And I'll get into these really shortly. So obviously this is a lot of areas. This is seven areas. And these are all diverse and these are all different from each other. But there is definitely some overlap. Um, and obviously, it's very rare for any one particular individual to have high levels in all of these. And like I said in episode on productivity, there's many different areas of productivity. And you'll be more productive in certain areas than others. And likewise, with this, you'll have more capital in certain areas than others. And there's nothing wrong with that. But there's two comp- There's two problems that occur when you don't have sufficient capital in a certain area or if you don't have the right combination of capital. And I believe those two start showing up when you're trying to uh, overcompensate in unhealthy ways for your deficiency in that area. And you also start overreaching and overextending yourselves. Uh, But really quick, what 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 are these things? about before we head into the discussion of capital in these different areas. So for the first, compensating in unhealthy ways. A quick example could be someone who experiences very strong emotions, such as they keep applying to a job and they get rejected or they just don't have the lifestyle that they want and they know that they uh, could. So there's an underlying feeling of frustration. And instead of trying to process this frustration and instead of trying to deal with it and use it as motivation. They end up going to the bar and drinking or taking drugs to compensate for this stark reality. So they don't have the emotional infrastructure to deal with those negative emotions and contextualize them uh, properly. And secondly, when there's the problem of overextension, trying to do certain things beyond your capacity. Uh, As an example, Let's just say someone just graduated from college. They don't know how to be productive in a work environment. Obviously, college students know how to be productive, but being productive at work and making impact at work is something that needs to be built up. You don't just graduate with a degree and you're able to produce work at a good high level. Most college students don't know how to do that. So Obviously, they're not productive, and they also haven't built up the emotional capital that comes from handling tough situations repeatedly, and also just being a general adult, having to pay bills, having to make sure your light doesn't get cut out, make sure your rent gets paid on time, making sure that uh, you're providing for your needs as an adult. That takes a lot of emotional capital to make sure that you provide for those needs. And most of the time, a college student who is pretty much a virtual child will not have that. So a couple of months pass by and this person works and somehow they're just promoted. They may be promoted out of nepotism or just out of just BS reasons. People just get promoted for all sorts of reasons in all sorts of companies. So this person gets promoted by management and they get promoted into management a couple of weeks pass by, everything's fine. A couple of months pass by, and then things start to, the cracks start to show up in the structure. 
and this person realizes that they are way in over their head. They start to shovel work to other people. They pass it on to other people, and then it's fine for a couple of months. But then, let's say it gets a holiday season or crucial time for the industry or business, and then it's all hands on deck, especially in smaller type startup environments. This person falls apart because they can't handle the intense driving pace of the holiday season and also the team falls apart because this person has not developed his productive capacity because of this weak link the company is also at jeopardy so clearly this person was not the fit for the job because he lacked the capital in the specific areas that would make him a good manager or make him a good leader of people and also um being able to work effectively so this person has a emotional capital problem as i mentioned a productive capital problem and then even sometimes maybe a social capital problem so this person will need to build all of these up and then you only do that as you as you go throughout work you don't just most people just don't come out of college again with that because it's very hard to um, just have high levels in those when you don't have any experience in those. It's rare. It's, it happens, but it's very unlikely. Some people are just natural born managers, but there's so few of them that there's they're not even worth mentioning. So again, those two are very quick examples when you don't have sufficient capital in an area relative to the goal you're trying to achieve. Now let's get to the in-depth discussion of what these capitals look like in different areas. Now, for all of these, I'm going to be throwing out some rhetorical questions to think about. And you don't need to have a solid answer to any of these. Um, these aren't something that I expect anyone to really be consciously thinking about 24-7. Some, t- some of them definitely probably you would depending on your situation and your specific life situation. But I don't expect someone to entertain these constantly and ruminate, these, ruminate on these constantly in their mind. Um, but these are just questions to think about. These are just questions to ask yourself where you are in the, in these different areas. And uh, just consider these when, these when these come to your specific situation and if you have enough capital to achieve your goals in certain areas. So uh, don't take it as hard and fast rule, okay? All right, so let's start with financial capital. Finances... Obviously, money is the cause of stress in most people's lives and their marriages as well. Marriages are often broken down by conflict over money, which is a conflict over how are we going to allocate survival resources. And the money usually comes down to the issue of not enough. So how do you start examining what is not enough? So you can ask yourself... Do you have a spending problem? Are you spending every single dime of your paycheck and you can't put it away for more important needs? Like, obviously, if you want to buy a house, you're going to have to save up money for that. If you want to go on a vacation, you're going to have to save. Well, <laughs> some people just put on a credit card, but uh, the responsible thing is to save up money for that. We can use a credit card, but then you just obviously save up that money and put it towards a credit card. Um, if you want to uh, move somewhere else, you're going to have to use money for that, and that often comes from money that you saved up for that move, and all these different things. The bigger the things you want, the more money you'll have to have saved up, the more financial capital you'll need. 
Are you dependent on other people for your financial well-being? Are you dependent on them strictly for your financials, um, for your financial life? And if you're a child, you most likely are dependent on the adult in your life. Uh, but if you're over the age of 18 or the age of 21 past college, then you're going to be dependent on yourself largely and you should be dependent on yourself largely. And she'd ask yourself, do you have enough capital to help provide for your needs? Um, are you in significant debt relative to your income? Debt is a big problem for a lot of people. As I talked about in the episode on finances in, in uh, season one, do you have a scarcity mentality around money? Do you hoard it unnecessarily? And do you um, have this sort of... Uh, do you have this neurotic obsession around money? Um, I know some people who do, unfortunately. And um, that's not a good state to be in. Do you have enough for emergencies or other things that just pop up? Again, this relates to saving. Are you doing what you need to do in order to get a good on a good financial life track? This involves, obviously, a combination of everything I just mentioned. Uh, being paid well for what you do. Um cutting down debt relative to income, saving up money and all of that. And I'm not a financial advisor, but um, I do definitely think these things are just basic personal finances that people need to get a grasp on. So your level of solidity in this area is really important and solid, robust finances can compensate for a whole lot. It really can compensate for a whole lot. Uh, it won't solve anything, everything in your life, but... Obviously, uh, when you have a good amount of money, it, it can take you. It can take you really, really far. It does a lot of magical things, and because people don't really think about the root causes of this, they have an abnormal fixation around money to the point of scarcity, lack, and hoarding, and they start to act in ways that are not proactive to strengthening their financial capital, and as a result, they end up leaving less meaningful lives in this area. And money isn't everything, but it is a whole lot, and it helps to solidify your overall launchpad capital. So financial capital is something to keep in mind. Let's talk about social capital now. Social connections, social skills, obviously really integral parts of being a human being. And I plan on having a few episodes this season that have a heavy social element to them, because I think that was missing from the past two seasons last two seasons were really focused on self-development in terms of yourself, but uh, there's going to be some episodes that talk about the social side of things. And social skills, social intelligence will take you pretty far as well. And I think of social capital as having three subsets. Uh, and those three subsets are dating, network, and friends. You should ask yourself, are you currently dating somebody? Do you want to currently be dating someone? Do you have options in this area? Do you have the ability to get into some type of relationship? And you may not want to date anyone right now. Um, and you may have other issues in your life that prevent someone from coming in. If your launch pad is not stable in these other areas, work on securing that launch pad foundation before you decide you want to just go out and start dating a whole bunch of people because that's just going to make things more confusing when you add another person or people into the mix. 
Do you have a strong network? Do you have a loose ties of people you can call on for something? Sure. You should. Especially when it comes to handymen. And if you own property, definitely you want to have people you trust and people who offer you lower rates than someone who you didn't know. Because a lot of people who are blue-collar workers, and if you're in blue-collar work, then you know this, you'll charge someone um, less money for certain things than you would if they were a new client. Um, A lot of blue-collar work is done under the table, and um, if you have somebody you know who has been your quote-unquote guy for five, ten years, then they're going to be more lenient on you than someone they don't know and they don't trust. How are your friends? What is your inner circle like? Do you have a great group of friends you can hang out with and do things? Or are your friends not pushing you to do anything? Are your friends lazy? Are your friends unmotivated? Are your friends just not going in the life direction that you're going in? And knowing a guy who knows a guy who knows a guy who can get you an introduction is powerful. If your friends know somebody who's hiring for a job, then they can help you get into that job easier. And especially if you have the skills that they need, they can, these people can help you get work. They can help you with a project. They can help you get dates. They can help you get access to something you need. So life and work is done with and through other people. So social capital is really important. Let's talk about knowledge capital. Do you have enough training in your field? Do you need to learn more? Do you have enough information about certain life areas? Going back to finances, do you know what an APR is? Do you know what a good product is? Do you know what a good price for a product or service is relative to other products in that category? Social skills. Do you know proper social etiquette? Do you know certain things you do or don't do in certain social situations? Do you know about social foul pals? And if you don't know what that word means, look it up. Add it to your knowledge capital. Do you have the knowledge you need for self-development in a certain area? Or do you need help and guidance? All of these are all very important questions. And some people never stop to ask themselves about this. And obviously knowledge is power, but I'd rephrase it as knowledge being potential power. The more you know, the more you can act on and the more you can act appropriately. So having specific knowledges for certain situations and knowing how to execute is definitely important. All right. So physical capital. Physical capital is pretty much a combination of your physical health. So any of your vital signs, think about heart rate, blood pressure, your weight, your height, anything that you create to give some type of picture of what your overall state of health is and your ability to um, just maneuver yourself within a certain space. So, for example, your general day-to-day strength. Are you good enough? Are you strong enough to help a friend move out? Are you strong enough to lift a couch? Are you strong enough to be a handyman in certain situations? And just your overall day-to-day competence is physical capital. Are you able to run a mile in, let's say, like 7.30 or 8 minutes? 
uh, a lot of people aren't. Um, that's only happens when you have a good amount of physical capital or if you're just naturally gifted at running. But it usually comes when you build up your physical capital in that running area. And myself, when I built up this physical capital a long time ago, I saw that it had cascading impacts on my day-to-day existence, especially when it came to just general life circumstances. Like, like I said, moving things or lifting things and just being able to assert my will onto the world pretty much. And this physical capital also comes with a good amount of physical presence. So the more physically fit you are, you'll see that you'll gain attention from different people in society and they'll people just admire someone who has a fit body Uh, everyone wants to have six-pack abs even though i don't think it's that hard to attain for the majority of the population but a lot of people know the effort and the dedication it takes to get in really extreme shape or even really good shape and they respect that and if you can carry a good amount of muscle mass and low body fat Um, that will definitely help you out with physical presence, especially when it comes to other men and also with women as well. So physical capital, uh, I'd say important, but probably a little bit overlooked emotional capital. Let's talk about that. Do you frequently exercise and express the full spectrum of emotions? Do you have access to all of them? Some people do. Some people don't. Some people were taught as little kids that sadness is bad. Anger is bad. Frustration is bad. Like that person I mentioned in the example earlier, that person didn't learn how to contextualize and process their emotions. So when bad things happen to them, they get frustrated. So when you don't express your emotions or process them, you become socially stifled. And I'm not saying you have to start crying when someone yells at you or someone cuts you off in traffic that you need to jump out of your car and start a fight with this person. Uh, I'm just saying, can you contextualize your emotions and call upon them when you need to use them, especially as motivation? And I talked about this in the episode on negative motivation in season one. Can you use these emotions I just mentioned to spur action towards a productive end? You may channel anger at being underpaid, overworked, and underappreciated, and you may use that as a way to get more financial capital going in your life. When you go for a new job or start training for a new career, anger was the motivation that was a spark for that, and it was the spark because you knew how to properly harness it, and you can only do that when you have a good amount of emotional capital. The last one is spiritual capital, which I think is the most important. A lot of the aimlessness in society, I'd say, is created by people who don't have anything larger than themselves to connect to. You just have a lot of lost, what I call lost individuals who feel frustrated, they lack direction, and they're just wandering souls. And it's very unfortunate because they're just, you you often, if you go around your town or your city or wherever, you'll often see these in young adults who are just wandering around in packs and they're just getting into trouble. They're doing this, they're doing that. And 
Some of that is normal. Definitely, I think that a lot of that is due to adolescence and just being a kid. But you'll definitely see people walking around uh, who have no purpose, who are aimless, and who just have no sense of direction and no sense of balance. And French sociologist, his name was Emile Durkheim, called this enemy. I learned about this many, many years ago, about 11 years ago now, when I was back in college. Uh, And this was something that was really a revolutionary eye-opener for me. So uh, Emile Durkheim called this state enemy, which is defined as a state of personal unrest and alienation from yourself and from other people. And this was coined back in the late 1800s. So how much more true is it now? In anime, you're just wandering without no fixed points. And you experience what is called normlessness. You don't have any rudder. You don't have any thing to keep your boat at dock. You're just going to be floating out to sea. And of course, when you have no North Star, any direction seems like a good idea. And... Of course, when you're a hammer, everything looks like a nail. And also, when you're the biggest thing in your life, you can only rise as high as your conception of yourself, which means for many people, it just isn't that great because if you have low self-esteem, low self-confidence, and you're the biggest thing in your life, you are your own God, then, and that God fails you, then there's going to be a breakdown in your worldview. So what am I saying? Am I saying you have to go and believe in religion? Do you have to go get baptized tomorrow? Do you have to get converted? No, I'm not saying that. Not necessarily. But I'm saying you should have some spirituality in your life. And what is spirituality? Uh, You hear about spirituality a lot. Like, I'm spiritual, but I'm not religious. Blah, 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 blah. So I'd say spirituality is the feeling that you're connected to something that's much larger than yourself, much larger than your limited myopic worldview. And obviously you can be spiritual without being religious, but you can also be religious without being spiritual. You can just believe in the surface meaning of a text or a religious teaching without really absorbing their true meaning. So you have a lot of people who can recite passages from the Bible like they're reading from a slide deck of note cards. They can do that all day long, but that doesn't make you spiritual. That doesn't make you really invested in the teachings of Christianity in that case. And obviously, there's many people out there like that who are just taking the letter, but they're not taking the the law. They're not absorbing the true teaching. And you can only get that feeling of spirituality and truly understanding that you're part of something greater when you actually experience it. So... You can get this feeling when you're traveling to a foreign place. And uh, I don't know if you've ever been to the American Southwest. And if you manage to go outside on a random clear night in the summertime and you just see all the stars in the sky and you just stare out into the expanse and you're just at a loss for words and you experience this moment of clarity And in Zen Buddhism, this is called a Satori experience where you get a little grasp, a little underlining of what the true nature of reality is. Or 
like um, when I went to Vienna and Austria a couple of years ago, and I climbed to the top of St. Stephen's Cathedral, and you just go to the top and you look out over all the city and you see across to all the mountains. You see all of these people walking down in the city streets. You see the entire maze of the city. You see the uh, you see the atmosphere. You hear the sounds. You're you're taking it all in, and you have literally a bird's eye perspective. You see people walking, going about their day, and you wonder what's going on in their world. You wonder how are they doing. You wonder what's happening in different parts of the city, and you just see this maze of life. And people just going about their lives and you start to, you start to feel really, at least I felt really humbled. You felt really connected. Or you go out and it's a nature or park just observing life, living its life. Um, you go to like a national park like um, Shenandoah, Shenandoah National Park in Virginia. Pretty cool place. Been there a couple times. And obviously it's just a thing to just get away from our normal lives and just getting away from just the normal grind and putting yourself in these different situations really puts things in perspective because it's so easy to get sucked in and lose the forest for the trees. And without any sense of connection to the larger picture, you get really self-centered and self-absorbed making it harder to actually gain capital in all these other areas. So just feeling like you're contributing to something larger than yourself and you're just a domino in a line of dominoes and you're just a little wave of something that's bigger than you are that's very, very powerful to feel. And it gives you more strength. So again... What happens when you gain high levels of ground in all of these areas? Well, you really start to feel really full. You feel really abundant and you feel like your life is really bursting at the seams with all of this, all of this goodness. You just in general become a better person and you see that as an, it's an upward spiral. The more friends you, you have, the more friends you can have. The more productive you are, the more productive tasks you can handle and then you have a better chance at a promotion or just expanding your business or practice. And the more finances that you have, the more you can act out on those dreams that you have and just be able to gain more traction in other areas. So all of these areas affects everyone else. And it's like a rising tide that lifts all ships. So what does this look like in real life? Who was an example that you can point to of this happening? Well, I think there's a ton of examples, but take someone like Ray Dalio. If you've heard of him and read his book, Principles, he talks about his background and why he's attained high levels of success in all these different capitals. So he spent a lot of time gathering knowledge capital. And as a young man, he was just generally inquisitive and wanted to know about the financial markets and how they operated and how... They interconnected for the world economy. And this knowledge capital helped him in his early days as the founder of the legendary hedge fund uh, that made him his fortune, Bridgewater Associates. And then obviously as, started, as a startup, as a new company, you need to be productive. And um, Ray Dalio is 
very productive person. He knows how to manage people. He knows how to manage himself. And he talked a lot about this in principles. And he would travel a lot, go back and forth, analyze different financial readings, different trends, and he would come to conclusions about them. So he uses knowledge capital and his uh, productive capital to help gain more financial capital. And even this, uh, I think he still finds some time in his day for exercise. And, you know, he doesn't seem like he's in terrible shape. He's not like super jacked or anything, but he seems to be in, you know, good health. And as a result of his status in the world as who he is, he has a lot of connects. A lot of people know who he is. And you can see some of these people who wrote on the front of his book as an endorsement for principles. Yeah, Bill Gates, Tony Robbins, Ariana Huffington, and the list goes on of people who were impacted by this work he put out. And he knows a lot of different people in different industries who can help him accomplish goals. And he seems to be someone who has a good amount of emotional intelligence. He obviously cares about uh, his family. He has a good connection with his son, Paul, Paul Dalio, I believe. He talks about that in the book as well. And their experiences, um, their traumatic family experiences. And even though these things were going on with his family, with his son, his son has, uh, I believe, bipolar disorder. So being there for his son and being a good father to his son. And even though this was going on, he still managed to find a way to use his emotions as a way to be productive and contextualize them within a work environment. He didn't let what was going on at home and in his personal life bleed over. And that is only done when you have a good amount of emotional capital. So I don't know what a spiritual life looks like either, but I do know he practices TM transcendental meditation. He talks about that in the book and he's obviously very connected to humanity and he cares about where we're going as a culture and as a society. So Ray Dalio isn't perfect by any means. No one is. But he's an example of what this could look like when you dedicate your life to continuous growth and expansion. Another person I can think of off the top of my head is Elon Musk. Obviously, Elon Musk is very productive. He uh, has a good amount of financial capital from his early days in Tesla and or his early days in PayPal. And uh, I think his other one was Zip, which which got acquired by Compaq. And he was able to gain financial capital really early on, which enabled him to do things with Tesla and uh, his other businesses, SpaceX, Neuralink, uh, OpenAI. So this is another guy who's achieved high levels in all of these. And all of these people, both of these guys, Ray Dalio and Elon Musk, they're obviously sheer anomalies. Two people out of billions who've achieved billionaire status and who have a strong impact on the world uh these people are sheer anomalies and you may say well well sim i mean i mean i don't have anything near the resources that elon musk or jeff bezos or bill gates or ray dalio or any of these guys have and i never will and peen these guys have had outrageous success that isn't easily repeatable by normal means and a good amount of their success was due to timing and luck, obviously. 
So you may say, well, what then? What do I do then? Well, I'll say I probably never will be uh, a billionaire, but I think that's, um, I don't think that's the only metric you measure your life success on. And I'm still willing to expand my life in a tremendous way and still willing to expand my current level of capital in all of these areas because I obviously know that I haven't reached anywhere near my ceiling for any of these and I still have a long way to go for accumulating capital in all of these areas. And a fulfilling life is still possible even if you never get close to financial and worldly success that these guys have and that other guys have. And if you're comparing yourself to Fortune 500 CEOs, and people who are on the Fortune 500 or uh, for, uh, Forbes 500, uh, the richest people in the world, you know, like I said, I think that's a bad metric. And most people are failures if you're using that as a benchmark. So that's something to keep in mind. And here's some other things to keep in mind as we wrap up this discussion of Launchpad Capital. So first, I want you to consider... Most importantly, what does success or high level of capital in all of these areas look like to you? To someone who came from the ghetto, to someone who came from nothing, to someone who has had their financial life been very bare for a lot of their childhood or a lot of their formative years, then getting a salary of 100 grand or 150 grand is going to be like winning the jackpot. And to some other people who are accustomed to wealth, who are accustomed to living a high life, then that's going to seem like a middle class salary. So um, you really need to figure out what a good amount of capital in all these areas look like for you. You may, you may just have a job, a $50,000 a year job, a small level of friends, you know, a good uh good partner that you've been with for a while and you know you feel your life is pretty good because you don't want to become the next um, mother Teresa or you don't want to become the next um, Elon Musk or you don't want to do anything like ridiculously crazy you don't want to make a dent on the universe like Steve Jobs said uh, that's perfectly fine. You don't have to be ridiculously ambitious. And I don't think everyone should be ridiculously ambitious, but I think that you should have a good idea of what success looks like to you and what a good amount of capital, what is the capital you'll need to have a good life. And having that metric and having that baseline in the back of your mind will help guide your decisions every day. And secondly, going along with this, what areas are most important to you? What areas do you want to stack capital in? To someone who, like I said, came from nothing, who came from dirt, then having good financial capital is probably going to be really important to them because they see what happens if you don't. Contrast that with somebody who comes from wealth, who knows that when their parents or their grandparents pass away, they're going to leave behind a huge amount of inheritance. So they're not as worried about money. They're rather more worried about um, the questions of why are we here? Why do we exist? Um, How do I feel more connected than I am now? All of these different existential 
question. So this person will want to focus on building a good amount of spiritual capital. Maybe they'll read some spiritual text. Maybe they'll uh, go on some type of silent retreat. Maybe they'll just really focus on expanding their spiritual life so that they can uh, really level up the other areas in their life as well. Um, So where you put your focus on other areas of your life are going to probably remain stagnant. Like I mentioned in the episode on productivity, if you focus on other areas of your life, then you're going to take a hit or remain stagnant in other areas. And that's to be noted and that's to be accepted. It's very hard to go into a monastery and then come out of that monastery expecting to be a billionaire. It pretty much doesn't happen unless like you get that inheritance that I talked about. So you've given up all these other things to become really extreme in your spiritual life. And then you use that as a baseline for achieving other things, which some people have done. Uh, some people have uh, become monks and they've gone into the monastery. They've come out of the monastery. They've plumbed the depths of the mind and their experience of life. And they're able to operate more effectively in Western society and accumulate capital in other areas. So ask yourself what area, what areas are more important to you and focus on those, not to the exclusion of others. Cause I don't think being really, really, really extreme for long periods of time is conducive, but you're going to have areas that are more important to you early on and more areas that you're inclined to focus on. So think about that and think about how that fits into your overall life blueprint. And then third, what are some long range stretch goals that you have and what resources do you need? What level of self-development do you need to get there? Like I mentioned, success is a combination of all these factors. Having that launch pad, you're launching from one person to the next person, one station in life to the next. And you're going to need adequate resources at every stage. The bigger you play, the bigger resources you'll need and the more self-developed you'll need to be. You'll need to hone yourself as a weapon um, if you want to achieve certain things. So like I mentioned, the CEO, the CEO needs to have high levels of competence in all of these areas, I think. He needs to have a good amount of financial capital because, uh, especially in a startup environment, he's going to be bankrolling a lot of the operations of the business himself early on in the days, unless he has a founder, co-founders, but they're still going to be lifting a heavy load financially. He needs to have social connections. He needs to be able to know how to network with people and he needs to have a network of people who can connect him and get him into the big players of the people in the industry. He needs to be able to be productive, working 12, 14, 16, 18 hour days uh, for months, sometimes years on end. And um, he'll need to have knowledge capital. He needs to know his business. He needs to know the markets of his business. He needs to know how his business operates within those markets. He needs to have physical capital, being able to work those long, long hours and not have it destroy your health gonna have a have to have a good physical diet gonna have to be in good physical standing and shape and to withstand all of that gonna have to have emotional capital life 
obviously happens alongside work. There's going to be things that happen in life. Your wife is going to say she is not happy in the marriage. Your, um, your parents are going to become ill or sick, or they might even pass away. Um, if you have a child or if you, um, if you have someone you're taking care of, they may, something may have happening to them. All these different things are going to happen alongside business and you're expected to have a record breaking season and record breaking profitability. But all these things are happening in your life and the cards, the house of cards of your life, the, everything is just falling apart and you need to be able to compartmentalize and focus in on the business independent from your personal life, even though all these things are happening. And that takes a good amount of emotional capital to do that. And people underestimate the emotional capital and spiritual capital. How are you plugging yourself back in? How are you charging yourself back up? How are you feeling as if you're contributing to the larger whole of humanity? How are you realizing that you're just a you're just a part of this world? How are you contextualizing yourself in that? How are you contextualizing yourself to know that as great as you are, as great as you can be, you're still a domino and every domino has to fall one day. So all these areas contribute to someone who can operate at high levels of efficiency in the world and get results and obviously achieve goals, achieve results, achieve dreams. So that's how I view it as. And again, with anything else I talk about here on here and anything else I write about, you can take it or leave it. So that's it. My discussion on Launchpad Capital. I hope this was helpful and I hope this helped you think about some things. And if you want to get more info about stuff like this, I write about topics related to this on www.unstoppablerise.com. You can find more resources there and more angles about how to live a productive and fulfilling life if you're a contrarian thinker. So that's it for this one and um, catch you on the next one. Hey guys, thanks for tuning in and listening in. I truly appreciate your support and your attention. It means a lot. If you like this content, go ahead and like the content. Go ahead and share the content with at least two other people you think would benefit. It doesn't hurt to spread the good stuff around, right? And if you're listening in on iTunes, go ahead and rate the show with a honest rating. This will definitely help the show grow. And I truly appreciate your feedback. So until next time, stay good. Take care of yourself. Take care of other people. And peace. Thank you.